Hello, and welcome to Driving Change with me, Steve Goldstein. On today's show, I'm going to talk about hot buttons and why they are so critical to driving change. Jim Carville was Bill Clinton's chief strategist in the 1992 presidential election against George H.W. Bush. Carville is a brilliant and quirky guy, and he wanted to make sure the campaign staff stayed on message whenever and wherever they were. Carville hung a sign in Bill Clinton's Little Rock campaign headquarters that read these three items. First, change versus more of the same. Second, the economy, stupid. Three, don't forget health care. Although the sign was intended for an internal audience of campaign workers, the phrase became a de facto slogan for the campaign. And it's the economy, stupid, became the clarion call for Clinton and shaped all of his messaging and certainly helped him win the presidential election. This topic today is about focus, prioritization, and getting stuff done, the right stuff. It's not about slavishly ticking off boxes on a to-do list. This is about choosing three items that will drive your business, bend the curve, make a significant fundamental change in your operating results. So obviously, given the importance of this, it's really critical that you choose the right three items for your hot buttons. If you're listening to the show for the first time, thank you for spending time with us. If you're coming back, welcome. And I really appreciate your continued interest. Make sure to visit my website to learn more about how you can drive change, stephendgoldstein.com. About two years ago, I was pitching a CEO to do some advisory work for him. And we were sitting in his office having a very nice conversation. And he asked me if he could show me their long-range plan. And I said, of course, and he went up to get this very thick book and started walking me through the pages. And I asked him to stop because uh, there was something that didn't sit right with me. And he goes back to the third page and he said, do you have a problem with any of this? And I said, well, at the top of the page, it says, these are our 43 strategic priorities. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, that's a lot, don't you think? And he said, well, that's what we came up with. And I said to him, look, I'm a reasonably smart guy. I'm not the smartest guy, but I can do about three, maybe four pretty well at one time. I can't do 10 and I certainly can't do 43. I don't know anyone who can do 43. And my concern is that if you commit to do 43, you're not going to do any one of them particularly well. He was not happy to hear that and proceeded to explain to me in fairly explicit detail how they came to have 43. And the fact is, it was a very extensive process. It went around the world. A lot of people were involved and this was their best work. And it basically was put together and packaged up into this document. Problem was the organization didn't have the capacity to execute those. I could see that once we got off that subject, he was not as interested as, as he was at the beginning of the conversation. And so the meeting ended and, you know, I had a pretty high degree of confidence that I was not going to hear from him and probably that I wouldn't be working with him. Well, about a week to 10 days later, he called me and he said, you know, I've been thinking about this whole business of prioritization. And I agree with you, we can't do 43. You're right. I don't think we can get it down to three, but how do you get from 43 to three? And I told him it's really hard. 
You know, it's really hard because I'm sure none of the ideas are stupid and people work very hard on them. But the reality is you need to go through a very disciplined process with all the people who participated in creating these 43 and as a team, understand them, sort through them and ultimately choose three. He actually did hire me and my first project was to help them get down to three and to find these hot buttons. And so we organized a two and a half day offsite meeting where everybody came in from wherever they were. And it was pretty, it was a pretty tough process. I basically told each of them in advance that they had to defend their project, explain the rationale, explain the financial benefit, explain everything, why they should do it. And I also asked them to explain if we didn't do the project, what negatively would happen. When we all got together, I explained to the group that this group was making the decisions and it was incumbent on every person in the room to really aggressively challenge whoever was presenting and to leave no stone unturned in terms of questioning whatever they wanted to ask, not in an adversarial way, not in a personal way, but just to get to the bottom of it, to get the truth, and to satisfy themselves that they actually understood what the project represented. To give you an idea how difficult this was, by the time we got to lunch on the first day, we had done four out of 43. That's how painful it was. But after lunch, we picked up speed. We really started moving. And it was interesting how the team really started to get into it and realize this was not a bad thing. It actually was a good thing. By the end of the second night, we had made a lot of progress and we were doing, we were doing voting every few hours just to keep ourselves fresh because it's hard to remember everything. And we basically got the list down to 10 items from 43, which is quite quite impressive. They were impressed. And I was impressed. And one of the leaders raised his hand and said, Steve, I'd like to make a suggestion. I said, sure. He says, you know, we've made tremendous progress. And I think we should declare victory at 10 and go home. And I said, well, we have made good progress, but we need to get to three. And we're going to do that in the morning. And, and I'm happy to tell you that we did. It was a very painful process for everybody. And they got a lot out of it. And why they got a lot of out, out of it is because they understood why the three that were chosen were chosen. And they understood by definition why the others, the other 40, were not chosen. Again, you're listening to Driving Change. To learn more about me, Steve Goldstein, and the show, please visit me online at stephendgoldstein.com. So now I want to give you a couple of tips, three tips, in fact. The first is all of these activities cannot be done in a vacuum. All of these activities, what I did with this team, has to be done with you as the leader and your leadership team. And you need to do it together for a lot of reasons. Perhaps the most important is you all have to have a stake in the outcome. You can't walk away from this meeting and say, well, I was at the meeting and I didn't agree with this. They didn't choose the one I wanted to do. So I'm effectively opting out. That's not productive. First and foremost, tip number one, keep everything simple. That may sound simple, but it's not simple. We spent a lot of time in this offsite session unpacking words to find out what they really meant. How do you avoid jargon? You know, the internal corporate speak with acronyms. Not everybody knows what they mean. And if no, and not if everybody knows what they mean, they can't evaluate them properly. So we spend a lot of time 
breaking things down into simple words for the sole reason that everybody needed to know what each item means. And this is particularly important because when you communicate these findings outside of your organization, the small leadership team, you don't want people to be confused as to what you're really talking about. So keep it simple, avoid jargon. The second is you have to have healthy debate. This is really where you go at it. This is not about who's nice and who's not nice. This is about challenging, questioning, getting it all out. And not six months from now, today, no one's feelings should be hurt because you're trying to solve how you're going to choose the right items. If your project is not chosen as one of the three, it doesn't mean you failed. It means you, your project, by whatever score system that was used to rate the projects, didn't make it to the top three. And, and people need to understand that isn't bad because the end result is you had three terrific projects that everybody is committing to. The third, which goes hand in hand with the first two, is you have to create the basis upon how you will choose the three. It can't be whimsical. You have to create criteria. Is it which ones are going to get the biggest bang for the buck? Which ones we absolutely have to do regardless? Which ones can be done most quickly? Which ones have the, lo the biggest long-term payout? How much resources do we need to deploy to get these done? There's a whole list of things. And what we did in this situation is we listed all of those criteria and we sort of created a point scale that people would say, okay, this is how we rated this. And obviously 10 is better than seven and you have to justify why you're a 10 or why you're a three. And we got to the point where the, the scoring system was very accurate in a qualitative way. And people were comfortable, you know, calling something a six or a three or a nine. And that was essential so that we could actually vote. Once you finalize the three hot buttons, you and everyone on your team needs to let everybody in the company know what they are, what they are, why they're so vitally important. And you have to keep talking about these three until you're blue in the face. People are not going to get it the first, second, third, and fourth time. This has to be a relentless communications focus. Please understand, these are not slogans. These are not feel-good kinds of things. These are the critical three levers that will drive you to a higher level of performance. Thanks for listening, and I hope you see how critical hot buttons can be to drive change in your organization. Make sure to visit my website, Stephen D. Goldstein, for more information on my show, as well as tons of other leadership information and tools, and my free blog.